This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Just trying to find some consistency in my game um, this year, but I feel like over the past couple of years, that's kind of been what I do. Steady in the D-zone, uh, reliable, hopefully find some offensive touch again. Maybe years past, it's been there, so uh, I know I can, I can do it. It's just a matter of the, having that confidence and, and put the puck in the net, seeing the puck win that, and, and just let my confidence grow. Come on, Canada. Let's let's get this this Zoom thing right. We've talked about <laughs> this before. Let's go. Well, we don't know if it's going to be not smooth. Come it on. hasn't started yet. Come on, that was that was yesterday, though, right? I mean. Oh, okay. I thought you, know you were mean? you were saying that in anticipation no. of today's. Well, I I am based off of what we've seen the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. I mean they. That one was at the Toronto practice rink, though. Today, it's actually at the arena, Scotiabank Arena. So hopefully it's what you're saying is it goes a little smoother. Well, last time we were here, I don't think it did because I remember Steve having a sharp retort about the quality of the Zoom. He let them know, or he let us know to let them know on our airwaves here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Glad you're with us. We are getting you set for Lightning and Maple Leafs. This should be a fun one. Dave Michigan on that side. I am Greg Linelli along with Steve Ersnick. We uh, recorded an interview with Derek Lalonde yesterday that we're going to run today in our next segment. So we'll uh, ask him about some interesting topics regarding the Lightning, including Riley Nash. And kind of where does he fit with this team we get into the analytics conversation and some other things as well with Coach Lalonde. So that'll be coming up in the next segment. And of course, taking your tweets at Bolts Radio. A lot of people still, Dave, want to know about Riley Nash. And we just heard from him and, and what to expect from a player like this. Where does he fit in? Everybody. Yeah. Again, Derek, kinda... Derek addressed that. So he we'll did. let him talk and then we'll talk he about did. what he said. He did. He did. And I think Jeff Halpern talked about it, too, yesterday. In the in the aforementioned Zoom press conference after Riley talked, and there John are, Cooper I mean, may be asked about it today. I think they're comfortable with him, and you know what that means for his playing time. I don't know. We'll kind of see how that plays out. But Dave, you are live at the arena, correct? You are. Yeah. So we actually have some activity on the ice, which I will tell you about. So Anthony Sorelli did not participate in the morning skate. So before all the alarm bells go off, before people start freaking out let's wait to hear what john cooper says he's played a lot of hockey recently we talked about him averaging over 20 minutes a game yeah so he may have just been given the morning off and what i will say is the lady only have with with nash now arriving one extra forward and gabriel fortier is skating late at one end of the ice here so all right, so Sorelli's a game-time decision, according to John Cooper. So the fact that Fortier is working late, he's a game-time decision, Sorelli, but I would say the wind is blowing favorably that he would be yeah. in the lineup based on the fact that Fortier is getting extra work, which basically means that Riley Nash is coming in for Fortier and the rest of the lineup stays intact. But at the other end of the ice, Nikita Kucherov is getting some work in. With, and I'm high up enough, I should be able to tell, I think it's Perry. First, I thought it was Stamkos. I think it's Perry, though. It's a a right-hand shot. Yeah. And Kucherov and that player 
are are working on plays for one timers. That's good to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's not exerting himself, Cooch, in terms of skating up and down the ice, but handling the puck, making passes, setting up a player for a one-timer. Let me ask you this. Which is certainly something he does a lot, right, when he's playing. Your best guess, and again, understanding we'd have to ask the source, which would be Nikita Kucherov in this instance. But, I mean, Dave, he, he has missed a lot of hockey over the last, what, 12, 16 months? Yeah. Do you, you know, we always talk about the wear and tear and how the Lightning have played a lot of hockey and how that fatigue could be one thing that really gets them and it catches up to them. I don't, if you believe that or not, that's fine. I, I've heard that before, that, you know, teams that make long runs, particularly ones that have won back-to-back, specifically the Penguins, that, that third year, I mean, it just... There's a lot of hockey, a lot of wear and tear. I'm curious, though, in the long run, for Cooch's sake, I don't want to say blessing in disguise because he wants to be playing, and I, I understand that, but do you feel like that has any benefit to him when he does come back, that he's a bit fresher? The body hasn't experienced that constant wear and tear? Yeah. Or do you feel like you know the surgeries yeah, speak the for thing. themselves? You know <laughs> what I mean? So on the one hand, you're right. I guess in a way he's benefited, although I'm sure he wouldn't look at it that way. I mean, he's losing games in the prime of his career. I think we talked about this too. Like, if you don't think it matters to Nikita Kucherov that he is missing games in the prime of his career in terms of where his all-time numbers are going to fall and and all of that. I mean, you know Lemieux in Pittsburgh. I mean, how how much higher up? the scoring charts would Lemieux have been had he not missed as much time as he did due to different injuries and, and he had cancer and all of that. I think that matters to players. But you're asking the question in the very short term Yeah, it's more sense. physical. Yeah, I mean, I get yeah. that he wants to be out So there. I think on the one hand, yes, you are not playing games. But on the other hand, you've gone through, you know, a couple of procedures here with rehab. And and that can that can have a wear and tear effect as well i mean look he didn't break his leg like stamkos but stamkos has said you know after that that injury you know his leg was never the same i mean it's just a new normal that he had to adjust to so i think stamkos would have gladly <laughs> traded understatement of the, of the century gladly traded you know those games that he missed for for having to go through a surgery like that. I mean, that yeah, sounds silly sure. when I and say it, but, I mean, that's that's an extreme case. Kucherov had, you know, whatever, the sports hernia. And sometimes those surgeries don't go as smoothly as they, you know, clearly did for Kuch, that he was on the earlier end of the recovery and came into the playoffs and just dominated. But, I mean, you look at Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes had, I don't know if it was the exact same surgery, but he had a similar injury, had a procedure, came back and like had to miss eight more games i mean he's actually had two setbacks since the original surgery so you just never know yeah no i think anytime you have surgery it's an unknown yeah for sure how your body responds it's funny though stamkos and i think his play is has displayed that dave i mean he says oh god this is the healthiest i've been in a while right. and you know that's that's a good thing by the way greg i just want to interject it was not Fortier it was Clayson 
So Fortier did not stay out late. So that clouds the the forecast a little bit. Okay. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Game time decision for game Sorelli. Decision. If he can go, he is in. And I assumed it was Fortier because I thought it was him. But somebody will have to come out of the lineup that played on Tuesday in Montreal. But if Sorelli cannot go, then you have your other 12 forwards. Yeah, and if Sorelli can go, you and I kind of discussed this yesterday. I, I, we didn't anticipate this happening with Nash and Fortier possibly. But I think we both agree. I don't think Kachuk or Radish are the ones coming out. No. You know, I don't. So, you know, if that's but the not case, to, Sorelli's healthy. Yeah, not to, to tease. Actually, I will tease the Lalonde interview. One of the things he said, which you're going to hear shortly, is that, you know, they may look to get Colton into a top six. And if Colton gets into a top six, presumably as a winger, you know, Riley Nash could slot in as the center on that line. I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen here, but but Derek mentioned Colton specifically, as you will hear. And if you're pulling Colton off the radish Kachuk line and putting him into a top six – and Fortier was in that spot. I mean, if you want to try and connect the dots here, and I don't know what's going to happen tonight, and if Sorelli can't play, then all of this gets, you know, yeah, you, you put it into the blender and, and we'll, we'll come out the other side. But if, if one of the reasons that they brought in Riley Nash was to give them more flexibility, which we heard from Jeff Halpern when he met with the media yesterday, more flexibility can also mean... Maybe we want to see Colton in a top six playing the wing, which he has done. And therefore, we can slot Nash in as a center. And it could be where, where Colton so had been. You and I we'll see, had, though. We had touched on this a bit last year. And I think sometimes we have to reiterate it before we go to break and we get to that interview about Ross Colton. And I remember in the playoffs, we were discussing, you know, is Colton somebody they would move up to a top six role? Do they know what they have in him from the standpoint what his ceiling is? And I wonder if that question is still out there, Dave. Is Ross Colton, from what they have seen, you get into the analytics, and he's had a lot of scoring chances this year, hasn't yeah. been able to finish. But it, Most of I, them, I think, though, since he was at center with Kachuk and Rash. Yes. But I'm wondering, and probably it's like this for all young players, you're constantly evaluating who they're playing, how they're playing, all this fun stuff, but... Um, and it does look like John Cooper announces that uh, Nash will play tonight. So okay. that has been confirmed, and uh, thank you, Steve. So that is another piece of information that we can go on. But I'm curious, though, if there is still an, uh, an open discussion behind closed doors, Dave, as to whether or not Ross Colton just might be a top six forward. Maybe not this year yeah. for full time, but maybe it's one of those things, again, we talk about the cap and guys having to move on. That is always in the background. Do they see enough from Ross Colton that suggests he is somebody that can go up and play that type of game and has enough offensive instincts to be productive? Yeah, and, and in the short term, by short term, I mean like this this current era of lightning hockey where you have the centers slotted in where they are. If he's going to play in that top six role, it's probably going to be a wing. So the question is, would you rather have him at center playing in a bottom six role or a wing playing in a top six role. But as we have talked about with Kucherov and point out the top six looks a lot different. And 
maybe whatever you're putting out there is is closer to what you were putting out there from the bottom six perspective. And in fact, probably up until the last couple of games when Colton's line, their play has dipped a little bit. And that was something that, that Derek mentioned as well. Really, it was the Belmar line and the Colton line that was driving a lot of the productive play for the Lightning as much as as the, the top six. So it's almost like we need to rethink how we look at the top six versus the bottom six. But there's no question when you have Point and Kucherov playing and 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 they are healthy, your top six, there is a there is a distinct difference between how the top six looks as opposed to the bottom six. Well I'm wondering So if too. you're gonna say like we want Ross Colton to to get an opportunity, whether it's playing with with Stampkos and Palat or Sorelli and Kalorn or some other combination when Cooch and Point come back in that's a very fair point, which is the point you just made. It's speculation. Or is it more important to say Ross Colton seems to do best when we have him in the middle? And I'm wondering this question, too. Forget about Ross Colton, although I think that's very valid. Has Steven Stamko shown you enough at center that when everybody is back healthy, he should center his own line? Yeah, that's, that's a, a fair question. question because you could the theoretically— have been really happy with him at center. And Dave, you could on, and I'm not saying they're going to do this, but let's have fun once everybody's healthy. Could you see a scenario down the middle? Point, Sorelli, Stamkos, Belmar. Yeah, you could. Of course, you've just added Nash and you have Colton. Yep. I actually feel that, look, Stamkos has played wing and Colton has played wing, certainly. But, you know, Point and Sorelli had chemistry when they were playing together. They did. So maybe they did. Maybe the center that you're pulling out of the position so Stampkos stays at center, really retiring when Point comes back. Yeah, it could be Sorelli. And, in fact, I'd have to go back and look. But I think Stampkos was playing center when they moved Sorelli onto the yeah, line right. with Point. I think they did. Yeah. yeah so For sure. A lot of – Position flexibility, it right. always comes. But back that is down the road. Yeah, so sure. let's let's keep our eye on tonight and see what yeah, happens tonight. Sure. But we know Nash is in. Dave, who's going to win the in, Stanley Cup? I'm, no. I'm confident that he is going to be in the middle. Yeah, which means that the I lineup is going to be rotated, certainly from what we saw on Tuesday. Well, let's get to Derek Lalonde because I think on the on the flip side, we want to get into the game tonight. Maple Leafs playing well. Their goaltending has been. Our nice surprise for them. We'll get into that, but we want you to listen to Derek Lalonde when we return. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Versnick is producing. We're getting you set for Lightning and Maple Leafs. Pre-games at 6.30, puck drops at 7. We'll get to Derek when we return right here on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we are back this week. The boys are on the road, so why not talk to a legend? Rick Peckham sat down with me. I talked to Rick about having the broadcast studios named after him. I volunteered to dust that sign. I wanted to know who's got better stories from over the years, Brian Inglom or Chief, and I asked Rick Peckham what player had the most impact on him in his career. It's The Block Party with Seth Kushner featuring Rick Peckham wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, glad you're with us. Greg Lanelli with you, along with Dave Michigan, Steve Ersnick as well. We're getting you set for Lightning and Maple Leafs. 
Riley Nash is in. We taped an interview with assistant coach Derek Lalonde yesterday. We did ask him about Nash and kind of where he fits in. You are going to listen to Newsy right now. Let's get to that interview on Lightning Power Play. Newsy, the Lightning come into this game against Toronto having won the first three games on the road trip. So that's really positive. I'm just wondering where in your mind is the team at in terms of its overall game? Well, obviously excited about the current road trip. Uh, these longer road trips, we always kind of have a, an internal goal of gaining more points than games. And obviously having a five-game road trip, we've got six points already. We've accomplished that. But with that said, um, our overall game is, is, is good, probably not great. I think we've done a very good job in the uh, three to four years I've been here of judging ourselves on performance over outcome. And obviously the outcomes have really been there. And the performance has been sporadic, which is understandable with uh, some of the people we have out of the lineup. But I still think we're going to strive for a little more consistent game, not find ourselves in holes or stretches where we're getting pinned in our zone like we did last night and uh, like we did against Boston. So good, not great, and still a work in progress. Do you find that when the Lightning have stretches where they're struggling to clear, is it a puck management issue alone, or are there other factors that lead into that? It, yeah, yeah, no, I think I think Boston was something, even into uh, Philly, we, we tried to address some habits on our breakout, just being a little more detailed, a little po a little credit to our opponents, too. The, the, the game is dictated on establishing a forecheck, and it's always, um, we, uh, our fans, uh, have no problem understanding and think it's, our great work when we're turning pucks over the other way, uh, but it's easy to point the finger and struggle with why are we turning the puck over? So <laughs> there's probably a little credit to some of our opponents, but I, I think you, you're going to have natural turnovers. Um, but I think a couple games were egregious uh, with, with the puck management. So um, it's always a work in progress. Um, I think it's a little structure and a little just being a little more predictable ever so coop mentioned yesterday that the lightning are in a stretch of eight games in eight different cities and even last year you didn't have that how much of an adjustment yes. has that been for the players and the coaches to be back into the grind of a typical regular season i think we have to be conscious of it um you know today we had uh, scheduled practice we turned into an optional I think it's a reality uh, of it. And I think part of being a good coach is managing uh, that. I think we did a really good job with it last year. Different grind, three and fours, a ton of back-to-backs, uh, understanding that we may not have practice time. We would use our morning skates as actual practices where we would work on one or two things within our morning skate without mentally or physically draining the guys. So I think it's a reality. It's not only a reality for the current at the moment, it's a reality for uh, what kind of energy there will be down the road, too. I think anyone who watched Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk, let's say, in, in the preseason or the early part of the year would say they look a lot different right now. What's been the key for them to kind of take that next step in terms of their ability to impact games? Simplifying their game. Uh, we really gave them just to be concentrating and be hard to play against. Be 
aggressive on the floor check. Um, we call it an OZP track where you're in your O zone, but now you're still, when you lose the puck, you're staying on top of your opponent. And a lot of that's reload, getting above, um, and then anywhere else just being predictable and simple with the puck. And I think that really helped their game. Uh, it took a lot of fun out of it. I think they were overthinking things. Uh, I don't. Uh, I think sometimes we don't appreciate how hard of a jump it is uh, from the American Hockey League uh, to the NHL. We run into a different system than Syracuse, um, and that's an adjustment. It's literally a new team uh, for them. Uh, I think there's uh, a, a lot to that. We're a very unique 1-1-3 one, one, team that is not uh, overly common uh, throughout hockey or the National Hockey League in our neutral zone. So there's a lot going on for them. I think when we really just started simplifying them, have them concentrate on their battles, uh, being a little harder to play against, it just it kind of took off for them. It's still a work in progress. I think you guys didn't see over the last couple of games, despite having some success with getting the puck in the net, uh, they had what you talked about earlier. They had some of those turnovers. They had some of those lost battles, um, uh, getting stuck in the D zone for an extended period of time. Uh, so it's still a work in progress. But I really just think it was simplifying uh, them and just working on their work ethic, and they've done that and had some success with it. For fans who are hearing you say a one-one-three, can you break down what that means? It's it's yeah, it's our neutral zone. Uh, it's our neutral zone coverage. Uh, it's two forwards, uh, one, one in the neutral zone that are staggered. And then we have a back line for DD. And, um, we think it's been really unique and helpful to our success over the last uh, three, four years. I think we've really dialed it in and even as a staff and a group of executing it much better over the last few years. And it's what it's really done is help us set up our uh, breakouts with having that back line. Uh, available back there so maybe a little too technical for the average fan uh, but it's you know part of uh, what we think makes us pretty good so one other part of this radish kachuk uh, higher play higher standard of players has been them playing with colton and it's been a line that's had a lot of chemistry you've been coaching a long time you put together a lot of lines What's your process to putting together a line that has chemistry? Is there a process to it? Yeah, yeah. We, we work on it a lot. Um, and I'm, just, I'm still cautioning that line. I think people get excited with it. Anytime we get a little media, I know there was a nice article, and it, and it was real. Uh, those three genuinely care about each other. I think that's powerful. Um, that they have each other's back and want each other to succeed. Um I think those guys maybe like work ethics. Um, when the three of them are feeding off each other, uh, you can see they're, when they're humming, it's on the floor check. It's them turning puck over uh, for the opponent. It's them retrieving pucks. It's them extended ozone time. Uh, I think that's what's uh, exciting with that. Then just consistency is hard to come by with young players. I think in the last couple of nights, and I'll closely watch last night, but we broke that line up to try to get a spark. Yeah, uh, and and, and uh, spreading those guys throughout the lineup a little bit for them, but a little bit uh, for those guys potentially give a little spark to someone else too. So a lot goes into it. A lot of it's hockey sense. Uh, sometimes it's feel. Sometimes it's work ethic. But we work really hard, and I give Coach Cooper a lot of credit. He does a lot of in-game adjustments. 
uh, finding that chemistry within a game, and we've had some success with it. So I don't know if that answered completely. I know it's a little bit all over the place in that one, but um, <laughs> there is, and that's probably the reality of that. There's a ton that goes into it. Yeah, and sometimes you have to throw science either. Sometimes you throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks, right? For sure. And last night was a perfect example. We were flat. We had nothing going on. We only had the one chance in the first. Uh, We had very little going in the second. Probably got a little from the Bogosian fight. Uh, But then I think we got a little spark just from the the line shuffling. And sometimes that's just a message to the guys. Um that we got to get it going here. And I think the guys uh, responded pretty well last night. Derek Lalonde joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Derek, I'm wondering, you know, a game like that, when you don't have your best but you find a way to win, you often hear coaches say, you know, that's that's what matters. When you don't have your best, you're, you're figuring out different ways to win games. Is that kind of what you've seen the last three games? And it's not uncommon in eighty-two game season when you don't have your best, right? I mean, it's it's impossible. Yeah, I, well, I give a huge credit to our guys, and again, and again, we, as a staff, we would never ever talk to our guys about what our lineup looks like. But the reality, we have two of the top five players in the world out of our lineup. I don't care who you are, it's yeah. going to be an adjustment. Uh, Eric Chernak is out. Uh, arguably our best shutdown D, and for our guys to keep finding ways to win. Um, is a huge credit to them and sign going forward. So, yeah, I think we look at it a little bit uh, in the moment where, yes, absolutely, find a way to win, good for you guys, kind of that. But like I mentioned earlier, constantly talking about uh, performance uh, over outcome. And I think that's something we always hold the guys accountable for. Those will be the conversation we have uh, today uh, and so tomorrow morning and prepping for Toronto We've done a lot of good things these are some positives but these are some things we can be better on for a little consistent 60 minute game Newsy against the Canadians the Lightning scored their sixth sixth attacker goal this year it just feels to me looking around the league a lot of teams are having success scoring with the sixth attacker Minnesota had a couple against the Lightning, but they're right up there. I think they have eight. Colorado has six. There are a bunch of teams with four. Why do you think that is, uh, that teams are having so much success this year with the goalie on the bench? Well, I Probably a little credit to the analytics world in that, as you've noticed, and they've been around this league a long time, um, a little more aggressive polls. The numbers say if you pull it earlier, uh, in certain situations, your chance for success goes up, and I think you're just seeing extended six-on-five time. Um, you're seeing teams do it five minutes, six minutes, four minutes. Um, even last night, we had no problem doing it at 240, and we were probably disappointed we couldn't get him out earlier. Or even five years ago, you're probably looking around the one-minute mark. So thanks a little credit to the analytics world. Now you're maybe going through three lineups of of them guys instead of their top five in a, in a, in a short situation. For example, last night, we go on the kill for 250, 240 left, excuse me, the five for 240 left. They have their checking line out to start, and then it goes through a second rotation, and then they're stuck with uh, Joanne, Suzuki, their skill guys, which can get the job done, but we were able to get through a second change for them. We go through the same thing. Uh, you guys watch us. If we have five on six for 
50 seconds. It's the use of the same characters, Sorelli, Kalorn. Last year it was the Gord line. Now teams are doing it for five, six minutes. You go through everyone. I go back to that um, Minnesota game, which was very frustrating for us to go two goals against, but we were almost perfect in that kill for almost five of the six minutes. And they end up getting only chances on it, and they both go in. So I think it's a little credit probably to the analytics world and everyone being a little assertive uh, with their goalie pull. Derek Lalonde joins us here on Power Lunch. You know, Derek, speaking of analytics, for you, is it still the eye test when it comes to evaluating a player's performance? And how often do the analytics confirm what your eyes are telling you? Analytics is a huge tool for us. It's a helpful tool for us. Um, I don't think you can look at analytics as black and white just because our game is such a fast-paced motion game. I can really understand it in some other sports uh, where it's a little more staticky. So I don't think it can be the NBL. I think they're doing um, within themselves. So I, the eye test is a big part of it. Um, but it's been a huge tool. It's been a huge tool for us. I think what I really liked about our analytics team is the odd projects we would give them to justify something. Um, for instance, our ozone play, how much success is cycling up the short side rather than cycling all the way to the ozone, um, you know, running the pound kill. I got a huge boost on them doing a job on down pressure instead of not pressuring uh, clears up the middle of the ice the success rate is little things like that that i think can evolve and then players this today's day and age of player they want instant feedback and i think they need to see it and when you can put it in black and white at times i think it helps them too so it's huge it's still evolving uh, it's a reality uh, i think as an organization it's led us to some pretty good success but I still think there's a reality of uh, it can't be the end be all just simply because it's a it's a constant Derek I wanted to ask you about the penalty kill since you just brought it up and you lost a lot of pieces off the PK last year but it it's done a great job this year what were your expectations entering the season for the penalty kill yeah, there was some concern there. There's no doubt about that, especially we lost three of our top four or five guys. Um, no doubt. Um, but we, I think the Elmer signing was the purpose of that kill with Matthew Joseph's development on it. And uh, we still knew um, we were going to have a good goal and some rock solid D and some experience on it. So, there was some concern there, but some optimism with some of the pieces we had back. And to credit to the guys, they probably exceeded our expectations. I don't know where we stand right now, but we've constantly been in the top 10, even in the top five at times, which isn't the end be all. Uh, what's important is it, it, it needs to help us win games. I think it's done that. Um, and we talked internally as a staff. You can go through stretches of your season or stretches of your game where your power play can struggle, and you can still win hockey games. We, we've proven that. Uh, as dynamic as our power play has been and as good as it's been, we went through some really unique stretches at times. And still one, if your penalty kill is struggling, you have no chance. I think it's been proven over hockey for years. 
So it's something we take very serious, something we emphasize, uh, something we work very hard on uh, as a group, especially uh, knowing we have the uh, personnel turnover. And uh, to date, it's executed to use credit to the guy. Derek, you mentioned Matthew Joseph. Is there another guy on this roster that has taken bigger steps in his development? How much do you think the PK has helped in his progression as an NHL player? I think it's touches. It's it's confidence. Um, it's, uh, you, you know, it feels some worth. Uh, I know those guys take it very serious. Him and Bells, they constantly want video on it. Constantly want... Um, they care about it. If they give up a goal, they're upset. They want they want reasons. Um, so I think that helps uh, having a role in the team, and I think that helps your five five. And I think that's why we kind of always want to get everyone a role in those special teams. Uh, so I think it's really helped with this confidence. But I think it's probably a natural progression. Um, I mean, Joe's three to four years with us now. He's had his ups and downs, uh, both warranted and both earned, um, and still a work in progress. Joe needs to to seek some consistency uh, throughout his game. I know it's a goal of ours, too. Last one for me, Newsy. The Lightning picked up Riley Nash off the waiver wire. He's a guy the Lightning have seen in the playoffs a lot, three straight years, actually, and you were behind the bench for, for two of those, the two years the Lightning saw Columbus. What impression did he make on you seeing him in that in that playoff series against the Columbus both in, in 2019 and 2020? Someone that's always been hard to play against, um, he, a face-off guy, um, someone that will eat good minutes. I know the offensive production probably uh, isn't there. That's something I don't think we'd expect out of him. Uh, but just in that series, both series, the fact that when it really mattered, um, Columbus turned to him in a lot of situations. Um, he can get important face-offs. He can kill and it's just the reality of one was the depth. Uh, we've had to move Steven Stamos to center with the point injury. Steven was great there. Uh, but you saw in the St. Louis game, Steve's available for us, and we really didn't give ourselves much of a chance as far as a roster that night. Um, we would like to see uh, Ross Colton get some more minutes with some of our top six. Uh, having another center and some center depth would allow that. Uh, so it made a lot of things attractive. Again, that's Julian, the management team's job. Uh, there's always this reality is that coach-manager separation. I think to be successful, you have to have that. But I know when he suggested it and the fact that it was very low risk um, in terms of uh, the big picture, uh, as a coaching staff, we were ecstatic for it for all the reasons I just mentioned. Derek, lastly, just in general, to that point, when you talk about depth, do you feel like this year, more than any other year, having the appropriate depth is a must because of the uncertainty when it comes to COVID protocol and just getting a tough gauge on you know, how many healthy bodies you're going to have on a particular night? Does that go into you know maybe bringing in a, a Nash or just another team that you just never know when you may be shorthanded multiple players? 100%. I think that's why you've seen over the last couple of years uh, the amount of waiver pickups is skyrocketed. Um, it feels like when I first came in this league, you would see one or two a year, and it was big news. Now I think it's common, um, just the reality of it, the depth, the COVID. I also think there's just been the dispersal of talent in the league, too. Uh, you're 
working on a third year or two plus years of a flat cap and expansion can come again. Uh, it's just the reality of the depth not being there throughout the week. So, you know, we're feeling it. We lost an entire line last year, uh, plus Tyler Johnson. Uh, and we fought, we want some injuries. I mean, we literally played a Stanley Cup rematch last night, and I think they had 10 to 12 different players. We had it to 10. It's crazy <laughs> when you think about that. Growing up watching the Islanders and Fires, or the Islanders and um, Edmonton Oilers won Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup with the same exact team for decades. So I just think it's a reality of it, and you know, we're no different than anyone else. And uh, where waiver wire clock comes up every day, everyone kind of looks at it anxiously. Well, Derek, thank you so much for making time for this today. Best of luck against the Maple Leafs, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right. That was Derek Lalonde yesterday. He had some very interesting things to say, and we were talking about Riley Nash and depth and things like that. And, Dave, he will be in the lineup tonight. But we, mm-hmm. we appreciate Newsy coming on yesterday to bring that to you. He was He's always insightful. We always learn something from him. Yeah, and look, you said we were getting a lot of questions about, like, why did the Lightning make this pickup? Well, he answered the question, as did Jeff Halpern yesterday, and I think Coop said it was like an early Christmas present. So they're really excited about adding this guy who impressed them in the postseason. They saw what he could do firsthand. No doubt. And... He'll be in the lineup tonight. John Cooper earlier today said Anthony Sorelli is a game-time decision. He aggravated something in the last game. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll take your questions because we got a couple of rolling in for our last segment. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli, Steve Erstick producing. We are getting you set for Lightning and Maple Leafs. We've got some questions regarding those Maple Leafs. We'll get into that as well on Lightning Power Play. Lightning fans, join Tampa Bay Lightning staff and alumni at the Lightning Made Training Center for one of their upcoming programs developed for people of all ages. Along with a few sheets of synthetic ice surfaces, full-service workout equipment, and full off-ice skills equipment, the Lightning Made Training Center also offers ball hockey leagues for both kids and adults, camps, birthday parties, and so much more. Visit lightningmadehockey.com for more information. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. It'll be Andre Vasilevsky and Jack Campbell tonight. We'll get into Campbell and his performance, not only this year, but the last two. It's been pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Greg Linnelli with you. Dave Michigan joining us along with Steve Versnick. Again, thanks to Derek Lalonde there. And Dave, you wanted to get into a little bit of the analytic talk that uh, Nisi had there as well. Well, because... He brought it up, and then you asked a follow-up question. So I have said, I think more than once on this show, that the Lightning, through their own analytics department, they are looking at things that are different than what you would find online. But I don't know what they are because they aren't made available. So he just mentioned a couple that were, he called them projects. So this is a situation where the coaching staff is curious about something. They wanted some data to back it up. They went to their analytics department, and what he mentioned was, for example, on the penalty kill, having down pressure as opposed to not applying pressure. So in other words, if if the power play team is cycling the puck, let's say it goes to the corner, what do the trends tell you about pressuring that guy? 
That's really what he's talking about. Does it make sense to pressure if you have a chance? When should you pressure? And does it yield success in that you can create a turnover and have a chance to get it down the ice? He also talked about going up the middle on clears as opposed to presumably not up the middle, around the boards. Now, some of it has to do with where is the power play set up. If there's a guy standing right in the middle, he might be able to block the puck, but you can learn some trends by looking at the data. The other one he mentioned was cycling in the offensive zone. Cycling to the short side, in other words, a short cycle, let's say from the circle to the corner, or kind of rimming it around the boards, what he called the weak side, the far side, where it would be a long rim, like a long cycle, but there's less traffic over there. They wanted they wanted information before they implemented kind of a strategic plan. That makes complete sense to me. But that is way different than looking at heat charts and calculating scoring chance numbers. The coaches don't need an analytics department for that. They can track their own scoring chances. What they are using, at least in this instance or the instances that he told us about, Greg, they're looking for certain trends where they can use that data to build a game plan. That, to me, is is a very understandable and beneficial way of using analytics to help your team. But he also said, you know, it's not black and white. This is a flow game. It's not static, which and is something that, that I yeah. know you have talked about a yeah. lot, too. It's fascinating. It's interesting. It is, yeah. because it's one of those things, too, where, you know, you look at the scouting report and how do you attack a goaltender when you dump the puck in? Is he good with the forehand? Is he good on right. the backhand? And some of that has changed with the rules. And, and some of it may be specific to your team, too, or the opponent. Sure. Like, you know, some goalies are really good at playing the puck. You know, maybe you look at trends about how other teams have tried to attack that goalie on dump-ins. But like on the Lightning's penalty kill, you know, they're, they're gearing a strategy based on the personnel that they have. Mm-hmm. So it's not like one size fits all necessarily. Sure. You know who really loves analytics? Not age, you, but... Age, age. <laughs> Agents. Agents can look at those analytics yeah. and they can really make a case for a player that maybe doesn't put up great offensive numbers or defensive numbers, and they'll just look at it and say, look, my guy is whatever that stat is in the defensive zone, and look at the puck possession he has, and look at these faceoffs that he wins, and look at these chance. I mean, there are just so many yeah. things that you can push to your favor. And I just, you know, it's just one more. I'm sure some of those things are used when negotiations are talked, especially for guys who are not the high-end players. But you know yeah. what? If a team has its own analytics department, maybe they are in agreement or they can say, you know what? Our our data shows something a little bit different. Our, our data shows <laughs> that you don't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, look, negotiations are tough, and, yeah. and they would rather have the information at hand themselves rather than just be – blindsided by what an agent says right like it just makes sense it makes sense to yeah. to have a department a smart way to look that at is it. that is working for management for the coaching staff to get them the information that they want that they need al says initially i can see nash with sorelli and Kalorn, similar type players with the same defensive style mentality all right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree with Al on that. 
<laughs> so Sorelli and Kalorn are in the top six. I don't yep. think Riley Nash, unless something weird happens, is going to be playing in the top six. I think they want Nash in the middle, and I think at least until point comes back, they want Sorelli in the middle. Yep. So all due respect, Al. I, I don't see that happening. I, I, I would not be surprised. And again, this is assuming Sorelli can play. Maybe if he doesn't play as well. Maybe just because he mentioned Colton, Derek mentioned Colton. But if Sorelli plays, I would not be surprised if Colton is moved onto one of those lines, either with Sorelli or Stamkos, and Nash goes between Kachuk and Radish for a couple of reasons. I think they're interested to, to, to mix things up and see some different combinations. I think they want to give Colton the opportunity to, to play in a top six. And as Newsy said, the Colton line, even though they've gotten some points and, and the two guys scored their first NHL goals over the weekend, like they have not had as much possession in the last few games. And he even said, we broke that line up in Montreal. That wasn't the only line they broke up, but that was one of them. Then they put a- them back together in the third period. A House 71 says, Nash is a body until points Cooch come back. Then he gets put on waivers. Well, clearly they aren't listening to what yeah. the coaches have said. He's here they really were excited to pick up this yeah. player. Things can change. Understand that. Look, his stats are not going to dazzle you, although he did have 15 goals for the Bruins in the 17-18 season. He even said on the clip that Steve played he'd like to be more productive offensively, and, and he feels he can do it. But – this is a guy who's going to be extremely reliable and has a ton of experience well, and and is not new to the NHL playoffs. In fairness, you know who played in that five-overtime game between the Lightning and Blue Jackets? Riley Nash. Riley Nash did. He did. In fairness, I th- I, and I think he would agree, I, I don't think you can hold a roster spot if you don't score. I think you need to contribute a little bit, and I think that's what Nash was getting at. You can do a lot of good things. Yeah. He probably he – pro- this might be one of those things, too – change of scenery maybe playing with better players nash may be sparked or reinvigorated a little bit offensively and we'll see if that happens and he's bounced around too so columbus traded him to toronto but he didn't play a game in the regular season after the deadline here in toronto and he got into two playoff games and then he went to winnipeg and he played 15 games with winnipeg so that's three teams this is his fourth team since just before the trade yep. deadline last year. Yep. It, he needs to right the ship a little bit for his career because I think once you get to that point where you're a, a role player who keeps bouncing around like this, I, mm-hmm. I think you need you need to like put your foot down and say, okay, I, I, I'm not ready to, to leave this game yet and, and find a niche, or it, it can be the same type of thing for Nash. So uh, desperation, I think urgency, all benefits the Lightning if Nash can put this all together. We have a couple of Leafs questions, Dave. I want to get into them because yeah. they're not going to have Marner today. They're not going to have Spezza. Spezza suspended for six yeah, games. Yeah, and Sandine is hurt. And Sandine is hurt. Marner's out for three to four weeks. That's certainly a loss. They've been a really good road team recently. Won the other night against Columbus. To me, the thing that is sticking out, and I don't know if you've been able to talk to anybody there in Toronto. We'll talk to Luke Fox from Sportsnet during the pregame tonight. Is, is Jack Campbell's play, particularly at home, it's been great. But, Dave, I went back and looked at it. So he's had, the last two years, 42 starts. He's 31-7-4 in those 42 starts. 
And I don't know if that's a big enough sample size. He is 29, but he hasn't yeah. really played a You're ton. You're not including the playoffs, though. Correct. Correct. And I, I understand that's a big deal. But I, I'm wondering if the Leafs, how they view him. Clearly, they view him as their guy this year. But, you know, what? who is the real Jack Campbell? I guess maybe yeah. the sample size isn't enough. Well, we talked about this the last time the Lightning were in Toronto, that they are going to have a decision to make next year because they don't have the room to probably give him the raise that, that he deserves and has earned unless they make some corresponding move to right. free up money. But what I'm interested in, Greg, is, and maybe you can ask Luke this tonight, because Campbell's numbers are really good, but the Leafs' defensive numbers are really good. So if you go back to October 25th, both the Lightning and Maple Leafs lost on October 25th. And with that loss, the Leafs went to 2-4-1 and and the Lightning went to 2-3-1. and And since then, they've been two of the hottest teams in the league. Lightning have gone 14-2-3 and in 19 games. The Leafs have gone 16-3-1 in 20 games. And it's pretty clear looking at some of their scores and the highlights, like they are tearing it up offensively. And their top guys are having really good seasons. Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, and Marner too until he got hurt. That's what they need. They need those guys to be productive. Their power play has been great. It's fourth in the league, but it's over 27%. So they are scoring like crazy. But going along with that, and this is the sneaky part of it, they have been an excellent defensive team. They come into the game tonight, Greg, third in team defense. So I guess what I'm wondering is, how much of that is Campbell alone? Or is it Campbell in conjunction with the Leafs actually digging in defensively and defending well? I think we had heard, because we didn't see him last year, I think we talked to Chris Johnston at one point who covered a lot of their games because he, he's from Toronto and, and he sees a lot of their games because he's here. He did feel that they were defending better last year during the regular season, but when push came to shove, you know, they still lost in the first round of the playoffs to Montreal. So maybe this is a continuation from what they were doing last year. But, you know, that first meeting, it was one nothing Lightning into the final minute. So it's not like the Lightning, you know, were able to score three, four goals. Now, if I remember correctly, Campbell was really good in that game, particularly early. But if you're going to talk about the Maple Leafs this year and why they are where they are in the standings, it's not just like they're, they're winning games 7-6, although they beat Columbus the other night 5-4, and, and Sheldon Keefe said he wasn't thrilled with how they were playing in terms of their attention to detail. That's what he talked about. So that's coach speak for we were loose, right? And I guess they were, but he also talked about the busy schedule, which we've talked about with the lightning when the schedule gets busy and particularly if you've had a stretch where you've been really buttoned up tight sometimes sometimes things do get a little loose but i think the leafs have done it both by scoring but also by defending yeah and you're right and you know campbell could be one of those guys too that makes them defend better for whatever reason maybe maybe because he is a little bit of an unknown i mean it, it seems like campbell based off of some of the numbers where he's been where he's headed you know is is maybe a late bloomer didn't necessarily get a ton of action earlier in his career i think he was injured and then i think you know 
playing in L.A., you're not going to get a ton of starts there. Yeah. But I think there was always a belief, Dave. I mean, he was a first-round pick that he had the pedigree to be at least a starting goaltender. And maybe this is just him putting it all together. And as you said, with his contract status, maybe that's also something that is <laughs> motivating the player to have a, a really good year, which can happen, you know, in these in these situations. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be, you know, we talk about the lightning responding and Derek and, and John Cooper have talked about this as well. The process means just as much as the, the outcome. I would think, Dave, this is one of the games where the Lightning, it would behoove them to have their process better tonight because the Maple Leafs are playing better. They are a team that can embarrass you if you're not sound defensively. You mentioned the numbers with some of their elite players, even though they're going to have yeah. a couple of guys out. They have enough Well, Matthews firepower. is red hot, though. He's, He's got really goals good. in seven straight games. He's been really good. There's no question. And, you know, Tavares has been solid as well. And... Look, they're they're a team, Dave. They're an organization that wants to get to where Tampa Bay is. I think they they understand that. We may look at them and think that they're a flawed team the way they're built, but we have seen also too what elite goaltending can do for a team that might have some deficiencies in other areas. And maybe this is a case too where Campbell is hiding some of those deficiencies. I don't know. You're right. Yeah, I'll ask, that's I'll a question Luke. for Luke. <laughs> yeah, I'll ask him that question. He may say a little bit of both. Yeah, and and who knows how that's going to play out. But if you're just joining us again. Uh, Riley Nash will play tonight. Uh, John Cooper said that Anthony Sorelli is a game-time decision and that he aggravated something in the last game. Uh, Bob, want to know before we sign off, Dave, uh, kind of goes with the Maple Leafs conversation. They've been on a tear so far this year. How do the Bolts stack up against them? Marner is out, I believe, but Tavares is still there and always a threat. And what about their goaltending? Well, you talked about their goaltending. Yeah. Look, the last game was really close. And I guess my, my question on the Lightning side is, and I think I, I'm going to answer this question, and if I'm wrong, we'll talk about it tomorrow. To the extent that the urgency level wasn't where it needed to be for the first half of the game in Montreal, that should not be a problem tonight. Now, they may have other problems. I don't know if that's going to be their undoing in terms of whether like Newsy was talking about puck management or having to spend too much time in their own end or or they have a breakdown but their urgency level facing the Maple Leafs should be high and and the same should be true on the other side I, I would expect that to be the case but I am curious to see if the grind of the schedule and the lightning are in the middle of this nearing the end of it but in the middle still of this fairly intense grind of a lot of road games and the Leafs are just coming out of one of those where they had to go to California they came back briefly and then they went back on the road for for Minnesota Winnipeg a back-to-back they had the the brawl if you want to call it that or the the emotional game in Winnipeg now they're kind of settling back at home and they had by their coaches at own admission a sloppy game even though they beat Columbus the other night they're looking to kind of get their game back in order too so how tight will both of these teams be in terms of their execution and attention to detail tonight and and that is a question that we just don't have the answer for yet we're gonna have to wait and see I think that's their goal but I think both teams are gonna play hard and maybe the team that is a little better in terms of not being loose I know that's like a triple negative or whatever <laughs> But the team that is tighter 
and able to execute better, may that may be the difference in this game. Assuming that the compete level, the urgency level, is is fairly level on both sides. We'll have the pregame tonight starting at 6.30. The puck drops at 7. Dave has the call. I'll have you covered with the pregame, the intermissions, and the postgame. And then, of course, we'll be wrapping it up again tomorrow noon to 1, breaking down this game. Partner, great job. As always, I'll talk to you in a few. All right, talk to you in a few. All right. Thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. You heard Derek Lalon. Thanks to him for coming on yesterday with that taped interview. I'm Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow noon to 1 on Lightning Power Play.